Good. Thank you all so much. How many of you brought your Bible this morning? Will you hold up the Word of God all over the building this morning? And I want to ask you to join me now. This is going to take you a minute to find this one. But I want to ask you to join me back in an Old Testament book called the book of Ecclesiastes. And here's a good way to find it. If you'll find the book of Psalms, it's two books to the right, all right? Or the book of Ecclesiastes right after the book of Proverbs. We're in chapter 7. I have an old Schofield Bible. If you do, that's page 700. And one this morning, 701. And I want to read a verse, and then I'm going to preach on a question that is asked here in this text this morning. Sec, uh, book of Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. Now, don't forget the service tonight at 5.30. I hope you'll be back for the final uh, Sunday night service of this year, and I hope you'll be here for that. And then on Tuesday night, we're calling it like a watch night service, but we're not going to stay till 12 o'clock, so don't, don't not come because you don't want to be in church till 12 o'clock Tuesday night. Uh, but we will have two or three preachers that are going to preach for us, and then we'll have some good music, and we'll be out. We'll be out by 8.15, 8.30 at the latest, and it'll be a good way to close out the year, and I hope you'll be here for our service on Tuesday night. All right? Are we good on that? All right. All right. Three of us are anyway. Maybe the rest of you will just show up out of habit. I hope you will. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. If you're there, would you say amen? All right, I want you to look this way, if you will. I hate to start, and, and it's a terrible way to start a sermon out, but I hate to start it on such a morbid note this morning, but I... I want you to understand that one thing the Bible makes perfectly clear to all of us is the fact that someday we all are going to have to die. You know, aren't you glad you come to church this morning? I mean, first words out of the preacher's mouth, cheer up, you're dying. But I mean, we all, according to the Bible, someday we all are going to have to die. I said have to die. We're going to have to die. You know why? Because we're sinners. And sinners have to die. Jesus was the only man ever born that didn't have to die, and yet he died voluntarily. But we are going to have to die. I read recently about the trial of a woman whose name was Mrs. Moeller. She was actually on trial for the death of her fourth husband. She decided that she was going to take the stand in her own defense, and, and, and the very day that she took the stand, the prosecuting attorney asked her this question. Mrs. Moeller, please tell the court how your first husband died. And her answer was, she, she said he ate poisoned mushrooms. He said, then Mrs. Moeller, would you please tell the court how your second husband died? She said he died by eating poisoned mushrooms. He said, now, Mrs. Moeller, would you please tell the court how your third husband died? She said he died because he ate poisoned mushroom. He said, now, all right, Mrs. Moeller, please tell the court how your fourth husband died. She said he died from a brain concussion. He said, how that happened? She said, I hit him with a frying pan because he wouldn't eat the poisoned mushrooms. <laughs> but can I tell you something this morning? Whether it's poisoned mushrooms or the frying pan, death is going to get us all. We all are going to have to die. I read about this one man a month before he died. He had his back covered in lard, and after that it was all downhill. <laughs> I read about another man this morning who said when he finally chokes to death on his gummy bears, he hopes in his obituary that they'll put that he was killed by bears and leave it at that. And then I heard this, I read this, according to most studies, the average person's number one fear is, is public speaking. 
Their number two fear is death. And I got to thinking, could that really be right? So if the average person comes to a funeral, would they better, rather be the one in the casket than the one doing the eulogy? I, I, don't, I don't understand all that. But we all are going to have to die. The Bible says this in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. We read these words in Romans chapter 6 in verse 23. The Bible said, For the wages, the paycheck of our sin, is death. So my point is this. Someday, everybody in this building is going to have to die. But now here's the thing. We want to live as long as we can. Am I right? If you, if you want to live as long as you can, would you please say amen? amen? And if you don't, meet out back and we'll shoot you right after church this morning. We all want to live as long as we can. But there are some things that you and I can do to shorten our days. There are some things, according to the Bible, that you and I can do that will cause us to die before our time. Now, I get it. I'm like you. I, I know God is the God is the one who gives life, and God is the one who takes life. And God knows the exact day that everybody in this room is going to die. But we read in our Bible that there are some things we can do that will actually cause us to die before our time. Now, if you don't believe that, I want to read to you a verse of Scripture this morning found in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 17. All right, let's read this now. Verse 17 says this, Be not overmuch wicked, neither... Be thou foolish. And then here's a question. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? I mean, why in the world? I mean, life is short enough as it is. Why do we want to do things that's going to shorten our days? Why do we want to do things that's going to cause us to die before our time? I read an interesting article this week on a website called VeryWellHealth.com and in that article, they listed the top ten things that a person can do to shorten their life. Now, I'm not going to give you all ten, but I would like to give you the top five. Here's the top five things that people can do to shorten their life. Number one, smoke. Smoke. They say this, on the average, on an average person, uh, an a, on, uh, the average person who smokes will cut ten years off their life. Smoking will cause you to die before your time. Number two, bad driving. Bad driving, driving recklessly, not wearing the seatbelt. Uh, you know, the leading cause, number one cause of death for young people are, are car wrecks, and a lot of the uh, older people are killed by car wrecks as well. So number two is bad driving. Number three, don't exercise. Be a couch potato. Cut nine years off of your life by not exercising. Number four, not eating fruits and vegetables. Now, I got that one covered because I eat grapes, on my grape jelly, on my peanut butter sandwiches, and I'm down in bananas like crazy with banana pudding right now. So I'm fine on that one. But you're not eating grapes or not eating fruits and vegetables will cause you to die. Then number, number five is stress. Not keeping your stress under control will shorten your life expectancy. In fact, it went on to say this, to shorten your life expectancy, avoid relaxation technique, uh, techniques, take everything uh, that's said very personally, and, and try uh, to take on more than is humanly possible. Stress will, will cause you to die before your time. I heard about this one man who went to see his doctor the other day, and he said his doctor advised, people, advised him to kill people. 
Somebody said, oh, he said, well, really not in those words. What my doctor said was this, you must diminish the amount of stress that is in your life. I guess he was saying kill people because most of the time it's people that cause stress in our life. By the way, number nine on that list to shorten your life is skip church. Did you know it is a proven fact that people who go to church live longer than people who do not go to church? That's right. You may have saved your life by sitting in the church this morning. You may have just added years to your life by being in church today. But here's the thing that bothered me about that list. When I went down that list, the thing that bothered me was outside the one on church, there was nothing spiritually or scripturally mentioned in, in that whole list. And yet when we read in our Bible, we read according to God's Word that there are certain things that you and I can do to shorten our lives. There are certain things that you and I can do to cause us to die before, the time, before our time. Now, I'm like you. I want to live as long as I can. I really do. I'm 50, I've just turned 57 years old. I hope I've got at least another 25 Christmases in front of me for you to buy me presents and stuff. I hope so. But the truth of the matter is we don't know. I'm not afraid to die. I know where I'm going when I die. But I want to live as long as... As I can. I don't want to shorten my days. I don't want to fulfill a, fulfill a premature grave. I don't want to die before my time. And yet we read in the Bible, many people did certain things throughout the Bible that caused them to die before their time. So what I want to invite you to do now, it's 10.33 this morning. I want to invite you to take a little journey with me through the Bible this morning. And what I want to do is I want to give you the, the, the top four things that will guarantee you to shorten your life according to the Bible. All right, will you stay with me this morning? You may want to get your pen out and write these things down, but there are four things that we find in the Bible that people can do that will cause them to die before their time. Four words that I want to give you this morning. First of all, I want you to consider this. Number one, the word wickedness. Giving your life over to wickedness will cause you to die before your time. Let me, let me, before I go any further, let me define what the, uh, the word wickedness is. Let me give you a Bible definition of the word wickedness. It means somebody who has given their lives over to satisfy and fulfill the craving, the desire, the appetite of their flesh. It is a person who does whatever they want to do and they never give God a second thought in their life. Now, let's just face it. You and I know people like that. We know people who give their lives over to wickedness. People who, who the, their main goal in life is to do whatever bring, brings them pleasure no matter who they hurt, no matter what God says about it, God or no God, they're going to do what brings them happiness and pleasure. Can I tell you something? That, ladies and gentlemen, is wickedness. And I will tell you something. The Bible says that people who live those kind of lives will shorten their days here upon this earth. People who give themselves over to follow their basis desires, their, 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 their sinful fleshly desires will shorten their days upon this earth. They will die before their time. You say, preacher, I've never read that in the Bible. Where does it say that in the Bible? Boy, I'm glad you asked because I want to show you what the Bible said about that. In this verse right here, Proverbs 10, 27, let me read the first part and stop. And it says this, the fear of the Lord 
prolongeth days. Now stop. Right there, that verse tells us how we can live longer here on the earth. By how? By fearing the Lord, by honoring God, by reverencing God, by fearing the Lord, we can actually prolong our days here on the earth. In other words, uh, uh, in other words living every day of our life with a consciousness that God is looking down and looking on. That's the fear of the Lord. And by so doing, we can actually prolong our days here on this earth. Another way to prolong your days is by listening to your mom and your daddy. That's the way the Bible, the first promise, the first commandment that God ever attached a promise to was honor your mother and your father that your days may be long upon the earth. If I put those two together, fear God, listen to my mom and daddy. Listen, I can, I can extend my days here upon this earth because people who do those things have, have, have a tendency to live longer than people who don't do those things. Can I have an Amen. By the way, if I'll fear God and listen to my mom and daddy, I'll never be shot dead robbing a bank. If I, if, I live, if I fear God and listen to my mom and daddy, I'll never be shot dead in a bad dr drug deal somewhere. I won't, be, I won't do drugs. I won't rob banks. I won't rob convenience stores. Hey, I'm, I'm establishing tendencies in my life that's going to prolong my days by how? By fearing the Lord. By putting God where God needs to be in my life but now let's read the rest of that verse. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days. But notice this now. Read this with me. But the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Now I'm going to tell you, that's a promise in the Word of God. You fear the Lord, you're going to prolong your days. You, you live after wickedness, and the Bible said your days shall be shortened. You know, I know what probably some people in here are probably thinking, but preacher, now wait a minute now. I, I knew so-and-so, and so-and-so -and -so lived to be 97, and I'm telling you, they never darted the doors of church. They spent their days drinking liquor and chasing women, and I'm here to tell you they lived to be 97 years old. Friend, I'll tell you something. That's the exception and not the rule. Because by and large, people who give themselves over to live wicked lives, their days are cut short here upon this earth. I remember reading a story not long ago about this newspaper editor, and he'd been assigned by his boss to, to go out and to study people of old age and to find out what the secret of old age was, and then they were going to publish an article about it in their upcoming magazine. So he was sent out to find out the secret to living a long life. So he decided what he was going to do is he was going to go out and he was just going to go out on the street, find some elderly people and ask them what they attribute their long life to. So he goes out. First man he saw was, an, was a man. He was bent with age. He was walking very slowly with a cane. His face was wrinkled. His hair was gray. And his hands were trembling. So this editor goes up and he tells him his business. I'm trying to find out the secret of old age. I'd like to know what it is that you have done to live to be the age that you are. Oh, he said, that's easy. He said, I drink five bottles of liquor every day of my life. I run with wild women. I party all night. I smoke marijuana, do meth twice a day. That's what I attribute my life to. He said, good night. How old are you? He said, 27. 
Can I tell you something, friend? You want to shorten your days here upon this earth? You go ahead and go out and act like God doesn't exist. You give your lives over to wickedness and ungodliness, and you can do that if you want to. Listen, you can party. You can go from one, one, uh, one uh, uh, beer joint, what do we call them now, nightclub to the next nightclub, one party to the next party, one motel to the next motel, one relationship to the next race. You can do all that if you want to, but if there's a God sitting on the throne of heaven, and there is, and if the Bible be true and it is, and if Jesus is coming, and he is, I'm going to tell you something, you're going to die before your time by pursuing a life of wickedness. You're going to fulfill a premature grave. You're going to break the hearts of those who love you if you live like that because wickedness will shorten your days here upon this earth. You'll die before your time if you give your life over to wickedness. Can I have an amen? amen? Now, I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that anybody and everybody who dies at an early age is a wicked person because that is not the case. We know that's not the case. But I wonder how many people have died early because of the wicked kind of a lifestyle that they were living. Wickedness will cause you to die before your time. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to mention a second word, and please bear with me. I'm going to preach a little bit on this. Not only will the word wickedness cause you to die before your time, but look at this word right here. I'm calling this one brazenness. will cause you to die before your time. Now, when I say brazenness, I'm talking about people who sit in churches who get crossways at the preacher or crossways with the church. You know, the truth of the matter is, I, I'll tell you something. Listen, I almost hesitate to preach on this simply because I am a preacher. And people are probably thinking, man, that preacher, somebody in the church must be mad at the preacher. But as far as I know, I mean, I, I'm sure there's some people in here that don't particularly care for me, but I, I don't think there's anybody here that's mad at me. If you are, see me after church, and if you apologize to me, I forgive you. But I don't think anybody in here is, is mad at me this morning, at least I hope not. But I think from time to time I need to preach along these lines a little bit just to remind us all, to caution us all, you know, that you better be careful how you treat the man of God. Now, I'm going to stop and say this. Preachers are just like everybody else. They're, they're people. And preachers can be wrong. And preachers are wrong, just like everybody else can be. And sometimes people are wrong. I get that. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I've been pastoring since I was 30. I'm sorry, since I was 24 years old, I've been pastoring churches. You do the math, 57 now. How many every years that is? I don't even know. How many years is that? You're a mathematical genius. 6,414 years I have been pastoring churches. And can I tell you something? During that time period, I've been wrong. I've been wrong a lot. There have been some things... There's been some ways that I've handled some things as a pastor that if I could go back and do them again, I'd handle them differently. There's been some times that I jumped when I should not have jumped. There's been some times when I should have jumped when I didn't jump. There's been some times that I've caused hurt to people that I, I didn't intend to cause hurt to those people. There's been some times, I'm just going to be honest with you, there's been some times that I've just not been right. There's been some times I've been wrong. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm probably going to have to answer for some of that at the judgment seat of Christ. Because as a preacher, it doesn't mean I'm perfect because I'm not perfect. 
I have been, and let me just say this, this may shock you, but if I stay here another month or two, I'll probably be wrong again. You know that? Because preachers are not pre uh, perfect. But let me tell you what a, a preacher is. A preacher is somebody who has a special call and a special anointing upon his life. To be a preacher simply means this, that while all God's people belong to God and God loves all of His people the same way, He just looks at preachers a little bit differently. I mean, preachers have, a, have a, an, an anointing on them. Preachers have an unction about them. Preachers have a touch about them. And that's the reason as we move through the Bible, we're constantly warned, hey... Keep your mouth off the preacher. We're constantly warned through the Bible, keep your hands off the preacher. We read verses like this one, Psalms 105, verse number 15. Here's what God said, Touch not, touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Let's put that in today's vernacular. Hey, touch not mine anointed, and do my preachers no harm. There's a verse over the book of Hebrews that goes something like this. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you, for they watch over your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. I mean, you, you, want, to, you want to bring grief and heartache into the life of a preacher. You want to talk about him, run him down, say bad things about him. You can do that if you want to. But the Bible said that's going to be unprofitable for you. I'm just saying, ladies and gentlemen, the truth of the matter is, you know, you, we got we to gotta be careful how we treat the men of, uh, men of God. We got to be careful how we talk about the men of God because God said they're mine. God said keep your hands off of them. God said they're mine anointed. God said be careful how you treat the men of God. There's a, there's a text in our Old Testament. It's in the book of Numbers, chapter number 16. And, and it's just, if I can just tell you the story, it's about Moses and he's leading the nation of Israel. So can I say it like this? Moses is the pastor of the nation of Israel. He's leading two to three million Baptists through the wilderness. And all they can do is complain and bellyache and fuss and groan about all that they don't have until one day there's three men, a man by the name of Korah, a man by the name of Dathan, and a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham, not Abraham, Abraham, and they get mad at Moses. And they look at Moses and say, Moses, you're taking too much upon yourself. Moses, you think you're the only voice that this crowd has. Moses, you think you're the only one around here that God speaks through. Moses, you, you think you're just the leader of the whole outfit. And, and Moses, we don't like that. We want a new leader in Israel. And the Bible said they go up against the man of God. Now, I want to stop and remind you that God has anointed people to do anointed things. And anybody that somebody is not anointed tries to get into a place of a, an anointed position. I'm telling you, we're heading for heartache and trouble real quick. And they usurp their authority, went up against the man of God. And before that story is over, we read this right here. Look at Numbers chapter 16, verse 2. And they rose up before Moses, these three men. 
and with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. Hey, we're not talking about a bunch of jack legs that just drove in that nobody knows anything about. No, sir, we're talking about the leaders, the princes, the, the, the political leaders in Israel, and they rose up against Moses. And the Bible said in the next verse, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. They said to him, you take too much upon you, seeing the, all the congregation are holy. Moses, you think you're the only one around here that God leads? You think you're the only one around here that God speaks through? Moses, you're taking too much authority around here. We think there's some more people around here that's just as spiritual as you are, Moses. And so what we'd like to do is we'd like to set you aside and put some of ourselves into that position. And before the story is over, we read these verses right here. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, Dathan, Korah, and Abraham. You read the story. Number 16, I'm not making this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. It's in the Bible. They went up against the man of God. They started running their mouth against the man of God, saying bad things against the man of God. God said, hey, I'm going to fix that. And right where they were standing, the earth just opened up. And those men and the 250 that went with them and their families went to hell alive. You know why? I'll tell you why. You better be careful how you treat the man of God. Now, I'm not preaching that for me. I'm just saying that for all of us. Let's be careful how we treat the men of God because when we get that old brazen attitude, that old hard attitude, like who's that guy think he is? He thinks he's the only one around here, the only leader we've got. Listen, there's a lot of other people in the church. And while I agree with you, listen, there's better Christians in this room than I am. But the truth of the matter is, until I walk away, God has called me to be the pastor of this church right here, and you do well to pray for me. And whoever the next one is, you do well to keep your mouth off of them and pray for them. Amen. Brazenness. They died before their time. They fulfilled a premature grave. Am I preaching the Bible? They fulfilled a premature grave. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because they got crossways with the preacher. Amen. Brazenness, brazenness, wickedness, brazenness. Number three, what about this one? Stubbornness. I'm telling you, friend, you get stubborn against God. You better look out. God has ways of bringing stubborn people down. Let me read you a good verse. And fellas, if y'all will, leave it up for just a moment. Look at this verse. He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Leave that up. You know what God said? God said, when I speak to you, in that verse, there's correction. There's conviction in that verse. He that being often reproved. In other words, here's God, and God is saying, look, this person's doing wrong, and I know they're doing wrong. So what I'm going to do is... I'm going, to, I'm going to try to get their attention because I want to get this person out of the wrong that they're in and I want to get them in the right. I want to get this person before they do, do, do damage to their family, to themselves, and they're broken beyond repair. I want to get them back to the place 
where I can speak to them and we can have fellowship again. So what does he do? He reproves us. Now, there's a number of ways that God reproves us. God reproves us through the Spirit of God. I mean, have you ever had this happen before? You've done something wrong. And I mean on the inside, not the outside, but the inside. The, the sirens started going off. The lights were flashing. The bells were, were dangling. I mean, man, to tell you, you knew. I, who made you aware of that? It was the Spirit of God that was telling you, you're wrong. You just messed up. God gives us the Spirit of God. God gives us servants, men of God, who stand up and deliver the Word of God. And God gives us messages from the Bible to try to say, hey, stop. God wants to get you right. Hey, turn around before you get broken beyond repair. Come back to God before it's too late. God has servants. God has the Spirit. God uses things like sickness and sorrow. God does all of that to do what? To reprove us, to turn us around. There's conviction. But if that conviction doesn't work, or as we move from conviction, we, we, we move to rebellion. Continue to read. He that being often reproved. Then notice this phrase, hardeneth his neck. So here's an old boy that God's trying to speak to and get his attention. Hey, you better straighten up. Hey, you better, you better leave that alone. You better stop doing that. You better come back to me. And that man, watch this now. Now, I don't think that's an action as much as it is an attitude. Hardeneth his neck. Maybe we'd say it like this. He hardeneth his heart. He bows up against God. God tries to stop him, and he pulls the shoulder away. God tries to turn him around, but he refuses to turn around. And he rebels, and he gets stubborn against God. There's conviction. There's rebellion. But if you read the rest of that verse, there's destruction. For the Bible said this, he shall suddenly be destroyed. Suddenly. Died before his time. I mean, didn't live out the days that he had. You know why? Stubbornness. I wonder in this building this morning who's sitting here today and God has been trying to get your attention. So God, and not even unbeknownst to me, God has directed me to preach about something that's going on in your life. Or maybe your teacher to teach about something. And, and, but listen, don't take that for granted. That's God saying, hey, hold on. You're going too far. Maybe, maybe, maybe some song that's been sang and God has said, hold, hold, hold it just a second. God's been speaking to your heart. And yet service after service you've sat there and you've, you've bowed up against God. It's like, ain't nobody going to tell me what I can and can't do. God or no God, Bible or no Bible, preacher or no preacher, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's me. It's my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. You harden your neck. You better be careful. Why do you want to die before your time? Hey, why do you want to fulfill a premature grave, fill a premature grave? Why do you want to do that? Because of your stubbornness. Hey, why not just surrender to God and get right with God? Hey, whatever happened to just humbling ourselves and saying to God, God, you're right and I am wrong. God, that is wrong. You've told me not to do it and I've been doing it. Oh, God, forgive me. I want to ask your forgiveness and get right with God. Why should you die before your time? So there's wickedness, brazenness, stubbornness. And then what about this one? Top four. What about this one? Carelessness. What do I mean by that? Well, 
we're told in the Bible about some people over in the New Testament that got very careless about their relationship with God. Can I read it to you just so you won't think I'm making this stuff up? Can I read it to you? Look at this verse right here. And the Bible said this, For this cause many are sickly among you. And then watch this. And many sleep. Now that doesn't mean like some of y'all are doing right now. Not that kind of sleep. Let me read it like this, and I'm doing the Scripture no wrong. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many have died. Now what they were doing was they were taking their relationship with God very careless. They were coming to the Lord's table at supper, at communion time, and man, they were dragging their old sin and their old baggage in, and they, were, they wouldn't get that sin right with God. They wouldn't confess that sin, get it right with God. They got very careless in their relationship with God. The same place some of us are in this morning, just so careless, just so flippant, just so matter-of-fact about our relationship with God that we want to go out and just do what we want to do during the week and then drag in here on Sunday morning and stand up and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus, and act like everything's all right. When in reality, we've got sin in our life, and we won't confess it. You know what the Bible said? Many of those people, because of that, they got sick, and many of them died. They filled a premature grave. They died, so our text says, before the time. You know why? They were careless about their relationship with God. Can I stop and say this? I'm going to read another verse in a minute, but can I stop and say this? The most important relationship you've got on this earth is not the one with your wife or your husband. It's the relationship that you have with God Almighty. And if you'll get right and stay right, Hopefully I can do this. We have vertical relationships and horizontal relationships. But if we'll stay right in our vertical relationship with God, we'll stay right in our horizontal relationships with each other. That's why I tell my wife all the time, Honey, I want you to love a man, another man more than you love me, as long as his name is Jesus. Because if she'll love Jesus... Like she's going to supposed to love him. She's going to love me, man. Woo! It's going to be on like Donkey Kong if she loves him like she's supposed to. And she encourages me. Honey, I want you to love Jesus more than you love me. You know why? That'll make me the kind of husband I'm supposed to be. If we'll love him, stay right with God, it'll work out all these other relationships that we have in this world. In this world. But here's the thing. When we get flippant about this relationship, when we get careless, nonchalant, matter of fact about our relationship with God, we're heading for trouble. For the Bible said many, many are sickly and many are sleeping or they have died. And then he says this. Look at this verse and we're done. He says this. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. If we just get right when we do wrong ourselves. Hey, don't wait till the preacher has to come over to your house. Hey, I hear you've been caught up in this. I, I'm coming on behalf of our church to ask you to get right with God. And if you don't get right with God, now I'm going to go back and get me some deacons and we're coming back over here. And if you don't get right with God then, then we're going to bring you before the church and vote yourself right out of the church. That's Bible. That's Bible. And if you don't want to get right, that's up to you, but we're going to turn you over 
and leave you alone and God can deal with you however God wants to deal. That's a pretty serious thing when people have that kind of an attitude toward the things of God. When all the while, when you sin, hey, confess it and get right. Judge it yourself to be wrong and confess it and get right with God. I've told you this, I think, before, but when I was growing up, my mom and daddy forbade me to play ball in the house. And if, okay, forbid me. But they, it was, it was my, one of mama's top ten commandments for my life as a child was don't play ball in the house. And I didn't when they were there. But we had a brick wall in our living room, and you could bounce a tennis ball off of that really good when they weren't there. And I can remember times that I would play ball in the house. I remember vividly playing ball in the house one time and breaking the lamp. So what did I do? Well, I got me some Elmer's glue, and I glued it back together. I thought I'd done a pretty good job, turned it around where the cracks were toward the wall. Nobody would ever see it. Mama got some kind of bright notion. She was going to dust under it one day, picked it up, and the whole bottom fell off my head. You talk about getting a whooping. I mean, I got a beating, man, over that one. But let me tell you about another time I was playing ball in the house, and I turned over her favorite plant in the whole house. I was playing ball, knocked that plant over, dirt went everywhere, roots and all. So I, here's what I did. I picked it up, put it back in our best I could, went and got some water and poured some water on it, and then I left Mom and Daddy a note so they'd see it when they got home that said this, Mama, I was playing ball in the house, and I knocked your plant over, and I'm sorry. I fixed it the best I could, and I put myself to bed. I didn't even get a whipping that time. You know why? I judged myself. Hey, why don't you just, when we do wrong, why don't we just get right with God? You know it when it happens. Instead of waiting for God to have to step in and say, okay, that's the way it's going to be, all right. Why don't we hit the altar? Hey, why don't we pick it up and bring it down here and leave it at Calvary? Hey, why don't we put it under the blood of Jesus so we won't have to be judged by God or, as our text says, die before our time? Let me read it again. Why shouldest thou die? So I'm just taking it from that verse that there are some things we can do that will shorten our lives here upon this earth. And here I am wanting to live as long as I can. Listen, why don't we get right with God and quit playing games? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father.